0: time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did, because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart, they've got passion for God, they're leading intercession on their schools, they're set apart, consecrated under God, and they've got a vision and a mission for their life. Well, we talked about, two weeks ago, we talked about uncensored dating. Close. Last week, we talked about uncensored Love. Good job. This week we're talking about uncensored sex. Everybody just say, let's just say it in church. It's okay. Everybody, one, two, three, sex. Good, good. I'm glad we got that out of the way. Hearts are clear. I mean, you know, we feel okay about it. It's great. All right. Well, I really want to talk to you about this. I want to talk to you a lot about some of the healing and restoration of this as well. But there's four truths that we have to know when we start talking about um, this whole genre of dating and sex and promiscuity and all this stuff. There's four truths we have to know right off the bat. Four truths. Oh yeah, there's sheets on your chair, fill in the blanks, all that other good stuff. There's two sheets. Second one we'll get to later. Four truths you gotta know. If you stay, for number one, if you stay sexually pure, then you can expect to have better sex in your marriage. If you stay sexually pure, you will have better sex in your marriage. Number Second truth. If you stay sexually pure, then you can expect your relationship to add to your life, not take away from it. It will add to your life. Your relationships will add. They will not take away. If you stay sexually pure, then you can expect to avoid sexually transmitted diseases that are going to destroy your life. If you stay sexually pure... And look for a potential mate who lives by the same values Then you can expect that when you marry You will remain faithful to each other You know one of the primary causes of divorce Is because there's a lot of comparison going on in the bedroom Because they've had multiple partners And they're just not satisfied And it's all about them When really love and marriage is all about the other person It's selfless not selfish. So if we're going to stay sexually pure, we're going to live that type of life, then we've got to have a game plan. Everybody say game plan. plan. Now, I remember when I was in football in high school, Saturday mornings, man, that was film day. Saturday mornings was film day. We'd kind of look, we'd evaluate how we did the night before, um, looking at mistakes that we made, change things for next week. That was the first half of film day. The second half of film day was developing a game plan against the team that we're playing next week. Team's coming up. We've got to have a game plan. We've got to know their strengths. We've got to know the weaknesses. I remember this one high school we played. It's called Reese Puffer. Reese Puffer High School. They had a star tail back there called, uh, his last name was Star. had a few conversations with him. But, uh, our, our, our whole meaning was about how are we going to stop Star? How are we going to do some defensive uh, craziness in order to mess them up in order to stop that tailback? You know, there's, there's got to be a game plan. If you want to win the battle, there's got to be a game plan. Okay? So you guys understand that part? Game plan. This is developing our game plan. Step one to the game plan to stay sexually pure. Develop convictions can write it in your blanks. Develop convictions. The first step in being successful in your dating relationships requires a personal commitment to the truth. You've got to develop convictions, spiritual convictions. Ephesians Ephesians chapter 5 verses 2 through 4 says this. It says, live a life filled with love for others, following the example of Christ who loved you, gave himself as a sacrifice to take away your sins. And God was pleased because this sacrifice was like sweet perfume to him. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. I've seen stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes. These are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. So the scriptural truth forbids sex of any kind that is outside of God's ordained design of one man and one woman with the marriage commitment. So and this goes beyond, this goes beyond the, the, the sexual picture. I mean, you've got to commit to these things. You've got to commit to, "I'm not going to go there mentally." And that doesn't matter if it's sex or impurity or greed or obscene stories, foolish talk or coarse jokes, all those things. I'm not going to go there mentally. I'm not going to involve myself with that. I'm not going to go there in the way that I talk or the things that I joke about. All right? So I'm not going to go there in my mind, and I'm not going to go there with my words, with my lips. And I'm not going to go there in my lifestyle or my actions. Those are some things that we have got to commit to those convictions. I'm not going there. My mind, my words, my actions. Those are convictions we have to commit to if we're going to stay sexually pure. Now, on your sheets, there's a place for you to initial. And if you're ready to do this, you're going to say, man, I make a personal, purposeful commitment to live a life where my mind will be sexually pure, my speech will be sexually pure, and my actions will be sexually pure. I want you to initial, I want you to initial that if this is your commitment, you're committed to this. You committed this. You know this is right. You know this is true. You know this is in God's word. You know this is God's plan. You know this is God's uh, desire, uh, God's way for me to live. This is His desire. He wants me to live this way. You're going to initial that. Step one of the game plan develop convictions. Step two think about the after. Step two is think about the after. Not only do we have to develop convictions, we have to think about the consequences of sin. The consequences of sexual sin. We've got to understand that. There is a spiritual price tag, which I'm going to show you in a little bit. And there's a physical price tag to sexual sin. I mean, one of the biggest things that plagues your young generation is you live for the here and now. Now is what matters. It's one of the the defining statements of your generation. You don't think into the future. You don't think about what's coming down the road. You don't think about the consequences at all. You think about what's going to make me happy, what's going to make me joyful, what's going to make me, you know, great right now in this moment. It's never about the future or the consequences. We've got to think about the after. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 5 through 6 says, Be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is really an idolater who worships the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. For the terrible anger of God comes upon all those who disobey Him. So, here's the after. Let me give you some snapshots of the after. In the after, you're going to have feelings of guilt and shame. And trust me, the enemy is going to take advantage of that. The enemy will take advantage of that sin. He'll take advantage of those feelings. And you're going to have feelings of guilt and shame through sexual sin. Next snapshot. There's going to be a relational price tag. If you get physical with a boyfriend or girlfriend, I'm not even saying sex. Even if you begin to get physical, there's a relational price tag that's going to take place. When that relationship is done, it's going to begin to skew your mind. Your relationships are going to begin to lose purpose. They're going to begin to lose meaning. In fact, your relationships, they're, they're going to lose significance. They're not going to be as significant through sexual sin because in your relationships, the physical is all about the selfish. The physical is all about you. It's never about the other person. All right? Not until a committed love relationship does it become about the other person. And dating relationships, it's all about me, basically, is what takes place. And what happens is, these relationships, they lose meaning. Why do you think there's so many casual hookups? Why do you think sex can just be sex with a friend? It's a casual hookup. There's no meaning in it. There's no significance in it. It's all about me, pleasing me, pleasing me, pleasing me. You with me? You understand? That's why it takes place. That's why it happens. Another consequence of the after, you don't want to live with AIDS. You don't want to live with genital herpes. You don't want to deal with that for the rest of your life because that's going to destroy you. And how about the physical, emotional, and financial, financial price tag of finding out that you or your girlfriend's pregnant? That's going to make a debt in your plans. We don't think about that. Your generation doesn't think about that. They just think about the moment. What's going to make me happy right now? Right now, my life sucks. And I I just, I need something. I need something to fill what I'm missing inside. It's a story of your generation. Sexual sin is the number one sin that plagues your generation. Number one, hands down. Matthew chapter 18, verse 7, how terrible it will be for anyone who causes others to sin. Temptation to do wrong is inevitable, but how terrible it will be for the person who does the tempting. So if you're committed, you've got initials right there. you got the next top part you're going to initial. If you're committed, if you're committed to really think about the future, if you're really committed to think about the consequences, And again, this goes way beyond the sexual world. This is anything in your heart or in your life. You have to think into the future. If you're committed to that, initial that there at the bottom, that section. All right, step three. Step three of the game plan, you have to make, this is an important one, you have to make pre-decisions decisions pre-decisions, all right? You've got to be able to think ahead a little bit. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 22 says, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Follow anything that makes you want to do right. Pursue faith and love and peace and enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. So you gotta make pre-decisions in every area of your life. You know, at school, you've gotta make, before you're at school, before you go to school, you've gotta make pre-decisions, you know, I mean, if you're a guy, hey, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna look past here on any girls. I'm not gonna allow my eyes to wander. I'm not gonna be walking down, see a hottie, and woof. you know, I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna protect my eyes. You're making pre decisions. Don't, don't, you guys are laughing because you do it. I know. I used to be in high school. Okay, at school. Making predecisions, all right. At the movies or on TV, going to a movie, you got to make predecisions. Hey, these are my boundaries in movies. This is what I believe is trash according to God's word, and I'm not going to go see that stuff. If you're really smart, you will look it up before you go. But even when you go and you're sitting there, and I've walked out of movies before. In fact, I looked up one movie and it said no cussing or anything like that, and I'm like, hey, this movie doesn't have any cussing. Let's go see this movie. I'd clicked on the wrong movie. I clicked on the one before and didn't realize it. We got to the movie theater, like four minutes in the movie, there's like five F-bombs. I'm like, I'm out of here. We cannot do this. I mean, I'm not sitting through this. So we left. We walked out. You've got to make pre-decision in your entertainment choices. I mean, if you're struggling with lust and sexual stuff, you're not going to watch The Bachelor. boys. And if you do watch The Bachelor, I'll probably make fun of you anyway, but you're not gonna watch The Bachelor because there's a whole bunch of chicks in bikinis making out with that dude throughout the whole show, right? And if you struggle with that as girls, you're not gonna watch The Bachelorette because you're gonna see the same thing, a bunch of half-naked guys, ripped. It's like, yeah, I can control myself. I can control my thoughts. Here, let me prove it. Let me walk into the lion's den. Let me walk into the the very place where temptation's all around me because I know I can control it. Stupid. I mean, come on. I mean, that's pride and that's arrogance. When we think that, oh, I've got this under control, I can be there and be all right. It's like, man, if you've had a serious issue with drinking, with partying, and you're saying, and, and you know, maybe you've cleaned up, maybe you, you, you received Christ, you got saved, you, you changed your life around, but you're like, oh yeah, I can go handle that part. I can go back with my friends and I'll be fine, man. I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian, I'm, I'm, I got God on my side. You walk in there at six o'clock and you walk out of there at 10 o'clock stumbling, because you had too much to drink. Because you thought you could handle it, and you couldn't. You cannot handle sexual temptation. So don't position yourselves to be tempted. Now, we're going to be tempted in some ways, and that's where we set up accountability stuff. That's where we set up our escape routes. That's where we do all that stuff. That's where we're making the predecisions. Say, man, I'm not going to go here. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. If this happens, man, I'm out of there. I'm fleeing. I'm running. I'm booking it. You got to run fast. It's like hiking in the woods and running into a bear. You don't got to outrun the bear. You just got to outrun the person you're with. (laughs) Right? I've taken my students snorkeling with sharks many times in my previous ministry out in the middle of the ocean down in the Caribbean when we'd be on mission trips and different things. So we'd be on in the middle of the ocean floating around. There. They'd drop a chum bucket down about 25, 30 feet. And there'd be sharks, just, you know, 20 sharks swimming around there, five, seven footers, reef sharks. And we'd just all be on top. It was awesome. I loved it. But I always thought to myself, man, if these sharks come after us, I just got to swim faster than everybody else. And I'll be fine. All right? You got to book it. You got to flee. You got to make your pre-decisions. You got to get out of there. Don't go there. So at the school, at the movies, how about our minds? How about daydreaming? How many of us get bored and we start daydreaming about stuff we shouldn't be daydreaming about? Happens all the time. Man, when we start seeing our minds slip, we start, we start thinking, ourselves. I guess you really can't see your mind, but you know what I'm saying. When you start feeling your mind slipping into that, that area, man, you got to, no, 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 this is not honoring to god this is not honoring to my future relationships this is not what god's plan is. This is not got what god wants man i don't want this i reject this i take my thoughts captive in the name of jesus I, I command you satan and i command that temptation to be gone that's what we do but you've got to pre-decide that if you don't pre-decide that guess what you're going to be daydreaming for minutes hours And then you're going to be thinking to yourself and you're going to be feeling shame and you're going to be feeling guilt and you're going to have to repent and you're going to have to confess and make pre-decisions. How about on dates? How many have ever been on a date before? Raise your hand. Been on a date. That's good, that's good. Been on a date. Okay. So before you go on a date, and again... I'm telling you, high school relationships don't last. You shouldn't even get into a relationship in high school. But I know you're going to ignore me, and I know you're going to date. And that's your decision. But listen, before you go into that dating relationship, before you go on that date, both a dating relationship or a date, you make pre-decisions. You say, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm willing. This is what I'm not willing to do. This is where I'm not going to go. It's kind of like, here's what you do. Here's what you do. Write this down. You make a danger zone list. You make a danger zone list. You make a won't do list. You make a will do list. You make three lists. Danger zone list, stuff that's in the danger zone. You're not going to be in your room with someone you're dating with the door shut. Danger zone. Red lights are flashing. Stupid. Right? You're not going to, let's see, you're not going to be in a parked car on a deserted road after midnight or after 10 a.m. You're not going to do it. You're not going to be in a car on a deserted road, parked. Warning signs, warning lights. You're not going to be at a friend's house or the person you're dating when their parents aren't home. Or at your house when your parents aren't home. Danger, danger. Will Robinson. Danger, danger. You guys don't even know what that show is, do you? I'm old. So you got to look at all the places that would make it easy for you to fall into sexual temptation. And you need to avoid them. Stay away from them. Danger zone. Make a won't-do list. Make a won't-do list. You know, okay, here's here's the deal. I'm going to hold hands. I think it's okay to kiss under three seconds. But I won't get into a make-out session over three seconds. I have a three-second rule. And there will be no tonguing. No use of the tongue. I mean, you got to be specific. I'm being serious. I know you guys laugh. But you got to be specific or guess what? You're going to push those boundaries and go past them before you know it you got to be specific. All right? No touching each other below or above clothing. No laying on top of each other, whether you say you're taking a nap or whatever. You're not going to lay on top of her. She's not going to lay on top of you. I mean, you got to be specific in setting these boundaries. Be specific in these lists. And then you got a will-do list. Okay, I'll hold hands. I'll put my arm around her. I'll kiss her for less than three seconds, and that's all I'm going to do. That's it. That's my limit. You make a list. If you make pre-decisions, you make your list. Guess what? 90% of the time, you'll stick to it. You'll stick to it. Because you know what? You make these lists. You share them with the person you're dating. I mean, they've agreed to it. You share it with your parents. Make sure your parents agree to it. My goodness. Man, you're, you're, you're setting yourself up. For a relationship that's going to add to your life and not take away. You're not going to be devastated and broken when it ends. Yeah, you might be disappointed, but it's not going to wreck you. It's not going to crush you. It's not going to mess you up emotionally. And then you don't have to come into my office. It's great. Because then I'm going to tell you all the things you should have done. And then we're going to have to go through break free and freedom. Okay, so make those lists. Step number four, game plan. Step, oh, initial that. Step number three, if you're willing to make predecisions and you're gonna make those, it starts tonight, you're gonna make those, I want you to initial that area. Initial it. Step four, the game plan. I want you to get accountable. You're gonna get accountable. Ecclesiastes 4.10 says, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, and a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Guys, accountability is incredibly powerful. You need to get two or three people that will boldly and regularly check in with you. Like on a weekly basis. You're gonna tell them what you've committed to and they're gonna hold you accountable to that. And if you mess up, you're gonna kick their butt or they're gonna kick your butt. Kind of goes two ways in accountability. You You need people that are older, people that are more wiser, people that are more mature in their faith, Hold you accountable You need to spend time with God So you're sensitive to this stuff as well Be accountable I had a, I've had an accountability partner For like seven years Best thing I ever did in my life Best thing I ever did We still, t- we still call One of my best friends Still lives in Michigan We still talk we Try to talk at least once a week And I know if I messed up He'd fly out here and kick my butt <laughs> And he's bigger than me that's another thing you can do. get an accountability partner is bigger than you. Really put a, put a whipping on you. All right. So, develop convictions. Think about the consequences. Think about the after. Make pre-decisions and get accountable. Those are things that you can do to make sure you're staying sexually pure. Right now and until you get into a marriage relationship. Okay? So that's the, I want to move forward a little bit. I want to talk about a new start. I want to talk, I mean, Pastor John, what, what if I've already crossed the lines? What if I'm not a virgin? What if I've already messed around? What if I've already been devastated by a relationship? What if I feel like I'm already emotionally screwed up? What do I do now? Is there hope for me? I'll say, yes, there is. Absolutely. Because our God is a God who restores, who redeems, and who replaces. He replaces all the bad stuff with a whole bunch of good stuff. That's who our God is. So let's talk a little bit about this. There's a couple of things you really need to catch here. Really need to catch this. The Bible teaches that sexual sins are different than other sins. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside the body. But he who sins sexually sins against his own body. When you sin sexually in the physical realm, there are consequences in the spiritual realm. Everybody say spiritual realm. Let's look at what Jesus had to say about this in Matthew chapter 16, verse 19. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever doors you lock on earth, shall be locked in heaven, shall be locked in the spiritual realm. And whatever doors you open on earth, by the choices we make, will be open in heaven or open in the spiritual realm. The consequences of sexual sin may not always be able to be seen in the physical. You might not always understand or see the physical or the, the spiritual consequences of sin, but they're very, very, very real. One of the consequences of sexual sin is that it links two people in the spiritual realm. It links two people together. Paul told us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16, And don't you know that if a man joins himself with a prostitute, she becomes a part of him and he becomes a part of her? For God tells us in the scripture that in his sight, the two become one person. There is a soul tie. There is a linkage that takes place in that relationship What this means is that when we engage in ungodly sexual activity with a person We become linked with that person in the physical realm and in the spiritual realm Because we're linked in the spiritual realm Also, the enemy will try to attack us in the same areas he attacks sin. I'm going to illustrate it for you in just a minute The reason he can do that is because we are one person And in order to break that, in order to break that soul tie, or that's what you have to do is you have to break that soul tie in order to be free from that and free from those attacks and free from those weaknesses and free from those open doors that are in your life. So you've got to break them to experience complete freedom in Christ. So let me teach you this principle real quick. I'm going to draw on this in just a minute, illustrate it, but you've got to understand this principle. There's a story in Genesis. You remember the story of Cain and Abel? You know, Cain gets... uh, 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 angry. You know, they bring their sacrifices before God. Abel brings a blood sacrifice, which is what he was supposed to do. That's what God commanded. Cain brings the first fruits of the field of his crops. That's not what God commanded for a, for a sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. So God was displeased with Cain. This made Cain angry. Cain became angry and jealous. And it says here, it says here in Genesis chapter four, three through eight, God, God speaking to Cain, The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right and obey, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, you disobey. Listen to what scripture says. Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out into the field. And while they were still in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Cain couldn't let go of the anger. Ephesians chapter 4, 26 and 27 says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Stay with me here. Do not give the devil a foothold. You know what foothold means? Topos is the Greek word for foothold. It means a place of occupancy. Cain, in his anger, opened the door to the enemy, giving the enemy a legal right and a place of occupancy in his life. The enemy influenced him, and Cain goes out and performs the first recorded murder in history. Foothold. Place of occupancy. One choice, one decision. Okay, so here's, here's what happens in the spiritual realm. Everybody just follow me with your, follow me with your eyes over here. All right, so here's, here's the door over here. Also says in scripture that Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I will come in and have fellowship with him. You know that scripture? So here's what's happening. Every choice you make either opens a door or closes a door in the spiritual realm. Every choice you make either opens a door to Jesus and he'll come in and have fellowship with you or it opens a door for the enemy and what the enemy does As he gets his foot inside that door, he creates a foothold in your life. He establishes a place of occupancy. And then pretty soon, he's not not happy with that. I mean, he's not, he's not, I mean, he's, yeah, he's not content with that. He wants to weasel his way. He's going to weasel his way in. And maybe it was one decision. It was one choice and one area of your life that gave the enemy the foothold. But I tell you what, he's going to create havoc and chaos in your entire life eventually. It's not going to stop there. Once he has that foothold, He's going to weasel his way in. So every choice you make opens a door. Opens the door to the enemy. Opens the door to God. Remember the scripture. Whatever you open in heaven or whatever you open on earth is open in heaven. Whatever choice you make is open in heaven. Whatever door you close on earth is closed in heaven. That's how it works in the spiritual realm. So here's what happens with sexual sin. Let me draw it out for you. Uh Uh-oh, where's the marker? There was a marker on here. Oh, it's in the eraser. They're so fancy these days. All right. Can you guys get the video thing on this? Do I need to move this? Move it or leave it? I'm good? All right. Can you guys see over here? If you can't see, move. I want you to see this. Here. Does that help? All right. So here's what happens. All right, say this is you. We'll make you a girl. Sorry, guys. Here's you. Everybody see you? Okay, let's say you have sex with someone. Okay, scripturally and spiritually, what takes place is all of a sudden you've become one flesh, according to scripture. In the spiritual realm, you've become one person. now, that means that however the enemy is operating in this person's life, which obviously the enemy is operating in their life. I mean, you're not in a marriage relationship. I mean, they're, you're outside of marriage and you're sinning. So obviously the enemy's open. So any open door that this guy has outside of the sexual world, anything else that he's struggling with, all of a sudden those open doors in his life become your open doors. All of a sudden, the enemy, however, he's influencing this person, can immediately begin to influence you. Because you become one flesh. You become one in the spiritual world. Now think about this. You this is the first time you've had sex. I mean, maybe it's one mistake, one bad choice. Okay? But let's say this person here, he told you that, that that you were his first two. And I just totally out lied. And really, he's been with three other people. Okay. Sorry. It's windy. Okay. So he's had sex with three other people. Now, according to scripture, in the spiritual realm, this guy is one flesh with this person, this person, and this person. Right? He's one flesh. There's a link that has taken place with him and all these people. So all of a sudden, all these people's open doors, you don't know if they're in witchcraft, you don't know what kind of stuff they're into. All of a sudden, all their open doors, you don't even know them, they become your open doors because of this link right here, because of this soul tie. Now, what if these people had more? What if these people had more? You see how it's a web of entanglement sin? All these open doors. The enemy can begin to influence you by that. Because of this one, this one soul tie. The two became one flesh. It's a big deal. It's dangerous. I'm gonna tell you flat out, it is dangerous. You don't know how the enemy can begin to take over and control your life because of one mistake. You have no idea. Trust me, I've counseled. I've counseled some teenagers. And they were messed up because of one mistake. This is what takes place. So how do we, how do we, how do we cure all that? How, how is the restoration in this? How can this be redeemed? Well, first, I mean, you repent, You confess it before God. You ask for forgiveness. You renounce it, meaning you're rejecting. You're rejecting your decision to do that, and you're rejecting the consequences to that. You renounce it, and you ask God to break the soul tie. You break this one, all of this doesn't matter. How does the enemy get through? The enemy gets through this door right here. You close that door. You close the door to everything else. That's how God works. Spiritual principle for you to understand. Don't forget that open door principle. It will protect you for the rest of your life. It will protect you. So, let's talk about this freedom for a minute. On your sheet that you have, you have a soul tie sheet, and then you have a prayer for sexual activity sheet. Right there. It's part of that. So here's what, here's what we're going to do. We're gonna, actually, I'm going to have the band come on up now. I want to work through some of this tonight. And actually, I'm going to do that first. I want to I wanna just explain soul ties real quick to you. If you can pull out that sheet that was on your chair. Just kind of follow along with me. A soul tie is a cleaving together. A relationship whereby two souls are joined or knitted together. We talked about it. We illustrated up, it up on the board. And incense has become one. An ungodly soul tie is formed outside a godly context and against godly admonitions. There are different kinds of ungodly soul ties. And tonight we're dealing with the sexual one, but soul ties can take place in oaths and covenants and traumatic experiences. There can be a soul tie. If you're a soul tie, uh, it could be like even in molestation circumstances where that person creates great fear in you, could be a soul tie there that has to be broken. The danger of a soul tie is that you become joined with another person in the spiritual realm. If the person you have a soul tie with opens the door to the enemy because you're joined to them, you also are open to the influence of the enemy through their open doors, which we talked about. The enemy's legal right to you exists through them. Because you were disobedient in forming an ungodly soul tie, uh, that's why it exists. In other words, choices that make... Choices that they make and open doors in their life become choices you make and open doors in your life. The most important soul tie we can have is a godly soul tie. Godly soul ties take place in marriage all the time. I think there was even a godly soul tie if you think about David and Jonathan, their friendship, their relationship. I think, you know, uh, Scripture says they they were almost like knitted together. That's a godly soul tie, a friendship, a sacrifice for one another. Within the confines of marriage, a godly soul. type. Like God, God created sex, guys. He created it for our pleasure. He created it as a gift for us. But he created it to be used in the right context. And if it's not used in the right context, it creates destruction. But it's when it's used in the right context, man, guys, it's a wonderful, wonderful gift. So I believe today, and you can read the scriptures that go along with that soul ties, they're there. There's prayers there to break those soul ties and there's prayers there for sexual activity. So here's what we're gonna do. For the next five to 10 minutes, I'm gonna let you do some work on your own. And there's a trash can that I'm gonna put right up here in the middle. And I don't want you to spread out yet, but you're gonna have the freedom to go find a corner, sit in the doorway, kneel down at your chair, Wherever wherever you're feeling, you can stay right there where you're seated. It doesn't matter. I'm going to give you some opportunity to get right with God with this, to break those chains, to break those bondages, to break those soul ties. This is your opportunity. Man, if you initiate those things and you're ready to live right, you're ready to put a game plan together, this is the beginning part of the game plan. Getting right with God, getting free, getting free before Him. Some of you, The first section there on your main sheet was just for sexual activity. This could be, this doesn't have to be sex. There's all kinds of other sexual activity. I mean, lust, masturbation, any of that stuff, it's all sexual activity. You know, the thoughts that you're having, that stuff's gotta be wiped away, man. You need to get that out of your life. Get rid of it. So I'm gonna give you some time. Look right there. If you look in your sheet, it says, pray this prayer. Lord, I ask you to reveal to me every sexual use of my body as an instrument of unrighteousness. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now listen, there's there's boxes there that I've already put that you can mark and begin to pray through. I want you to pray through everyone that you mark. I want you to pray through specifically. Listen, you sinned specifically, didn't you? You made that choice specifically. I want you to ask for forgiveness specifically. There's just an, a powerful moment of freedom when you're doing this. I've seen entire youth ministries changed by taking the youth group through this. And this is just one of the doorways. We've identified 11, 11 different doorways how the enemy really influences your generation. This is just one of them, the sexual activity. So you're gonna mark that whether it's pornography or lust or masturbation or uh, any of that stuff, you're gonna mark that down. And for each one you marked, you're gonna pray through the prayer. I mean, if it's lust, you say, Lord Jesus, I confess that, man, I have lust in my life. I ask you now to forgive me for my lust. I choose now to turn from and repent from my sin and say that with your help, I will no longer lust. And you keep reading it and you go through it. And then you go through the next one you've checked. You go through the next one you've checked. And then at the end, you just pray that prayer of final freedom. Guys, there's nothing special about these prayers. They're just designed to make sure you cover all your bases and you get free. You pray them from your heart. When you're praying from your heart I promise you freedom will come promise you For those of you that have Failed in this area And you've had sex You've had some type of emotional attachment Even if it wasn't sex Maybe it was just other physical stuff But you've had an emotional attachment To a boyfriend or girlfriend They've controlled you They've impacted you They've affected you Then you probably have a soul tie with them And that soul tie needs to be broken on another sheet at the top where it says soul ties, there's a prayer right there that you can go through to break those soul ties. It's laid out kind of like the other one. You mark down. And one of the greatest things I do, especially with the soul, especially even if the soul ties, like a fear that you get when you think of someone or anything like that, You write, you write it down. You you get a piece of paper. You split it down the middle. You draw a line. You write down. Here's this person. Here's how they made me feel. This is what happened. And then you just pray through it. God, I confess this. I confess my role in this. I confess this, God. I pray you break that soul tie right now in the name of Jesus. I renounce that decision. Pray through those. I'm telling you, freedom's coming. Freedom will come, and you will close the doors that need to be closed. And he will open the doors to Jesus and to the kingdom that you need to open. So I want this quiet. I don't want you working with anybody. I want this quiet. I don't want any talking. You can get up. I want you to stay in this room. We're going to come back together in 10 minutes. But I want you to get get alone. Get somewhere. Work through this. Pray through this. When you're done. When you're done and you've prayed through it, there's no no shame in this, guys. The fact is, I bet you we could all take that paper, write stuff down, pray through it, and confess it. There's no shame in this. So, once you're done, you've prayed through, I want you to, If, if I could start a fire in here, I would. And we'd burn them. But I want you to mash that thing up, mash it together. I mean, just... You're going to walk up here. You're going to stand here. You're just going to say a little prayer, God. Thank you for setting me free. Thank you for forgiving me. I'm not messing with this stuff anymore. You can toss it away as a symbol that it's not in your life anymore. It's gone. All right. Ready? Break. Go ahead. You know, God says that he doesn't remember our sin anymore once we confess it. Scripture says that he casts it as far as it is from the east as from the west. He doesn't remember it. He doesn't hold it against us. Sometimes we remember it. Sometimes we have those feelings of guilt try to creep in. And I want to remind you guys, guilt is never from God. Conviction is always from the Holy Spirit. Conviction always leads to repentance. Guilt always leads to shame. Guilt is never from God. If you've confessed things, and you've asked God to forgive you and the enemy tries to try to tempt you and tell you that God really didn't forgive you that those things really aren't gone they're not out of your life man you command him to get the heck out he's lying to you those things are covered under the blood of Jesus Christ they are non-existent to God anymore he doesn't remember David many times in the Psalms cried out and prayed God remember my sins no more remember, don't 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 remember my transgressions. Several places. That's what God does. He doesn't remember. He's God. He can do whatever he wants. So he chooses to forget. He doesn't hold it against us. By the looks of a man, there's a lot of freedom tonight. I mean, there's a, God did some work. But I'm telling you, when you pray, when you said those things, man, in the spiritual realm, Satan was getting his tail kicked. I mean, he was. You're cleaning up your life. You're cleaning up your heart. This process, this process will work for you in any sin, any situation. So you pray through it, confess it, renounce it, ask for forgiveness. It works for any, any situation a tool that you can use for the rest of your lives. So tonight, I think we should celebrate here at the end. If you've been set free from this stuff tonight, I just want you to come forward, stand up here up front. The rest of you can come too. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did, because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart got passion for God, they're leading intercession on their schools, they're set apart, consecrated under God, and they've got a vision and a mission for their life.